That's a great video, isn't it? Very powerful. We're in week four of our series called Finish Strong. And remember, the goal of this series is to consider this, this idea that we are here for a purpose. We are here in this life to fulfill a purpose, to fulfill a mission, to finish our course when you think about it. And there's so many things that can keep us from finishing our course, from finishing well, from finishing strong. And in this series, we, we noticed that Jesus faced things too. He faced things that could have kept him from finishing, but he didn't allow those things to knock him off course, to keep him from finishing from what he came to do and fulfilling his purpose. Uh, today I want to talk about pain and hardship. Um, we all go through pain. We all go through difficulty and, and hardship. And someone said to, to experience and feel pain is, is to be human. You know, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, today is my mother's birthday. So before I get going, I just want to say happy birthday, Mom. I love you. She watches uh, the videos from afar from over in Wise County, right? But I uh, love you, Mom. Happy birthday. And I, I caused my mom a lot of pain, okay, growing up. And, uh, you know, misbehaved a little bit, a lot. But I caused her a lot of pain when she gave birth to me, right? Here's the thing. Everybody in here, you caused your mother tremendous pain coming into the world. And if, it's interesting if you read back in Genesis, you read the, Genesis chapter 3, you read the fall of, of man, sin entered the world. And God increased the, the pain for a woman of childbirth, through childbirth. And so pain and hardship is a result of, of sin. I know in my life, growing up, uh, especially my ch teenage years, for some reason, I don't know why, but I was accident prone. Like I got hurt a lot. And I couldn't figure this out. Man, I was just marked, I guess. But, uh, you know, I told you uh, about my nose job. So, you know, I got hit in the, in the face with a baseball and broke my nose in uh, seven places and had a nose job. It looks good, doesn't it? Except when I turned to the side, a little crooked. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, the next year, got hit in the head again with the baseball in the eye. And, uh, you know, lost my, I, don't, I can't see out of my right eye. So just tragic things and other things happen, but those are the two major things. And, uh, you know, I remember when that happened, uh, it, it was very painful. But what hurt me more was actually setting out. You know, it bothered me to have to set out of, of the game. And so I was restricted from playing for a while, practicing. I, it was maybe three weeks later. The, the only thing I wanted to do was to get back in the game. I, I went to uh, practice and got in the batter's box. I wanted to hit. I wanted to hit the fastball. I wanted to see the pitch. I wanted to swing the bat. And, of course, I, I did that, and, you know, my mom made me wear these really thick goggles. And, you know, it's kind of embarrassing, you know. But I did that. And I was able to, to play sports in high school. It wasn't nearly the same as what it was before. You know, but I wanted to finish, you know. I wonder if there's difficulty in life that keeps us out of the game. 
if there's pain that we go through that keeps us out of the game, that keeps us from finishing? Does the pain that we experience, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's mental, you know, does the pain that we go through keep us from finishing strong? Now today we're going to be looking at the cross. And you might be new to Christianity and, you know, you might be familiar with the cross but really don't understand what it means. Well, the cross is the reason Jesus came. Uh, You know, we celebrate Christmas and things like that, but Jesus came and was born for the cross. The cross was Jesus' purpose. You might even say that Jesus' purpose was to experience pain if you connect the cross and pain. How would Jesus respond to that? Remember last week we talked about this anguish Jesus was feeling because he was praying. He knew this was coming. He knew the pain that, that he would experience. He knew the suffering that he would go through. And would this, would this pain and, and possibility or certainty in his mind, certainty of experiencing pain and hardship, would that keep him from finishing? Would that keep him from fulfilling his purpose? Now, I normally do this at the end. I normally, normally share these things, these truths with you at the end, but this, I want you to be thinking about this as I'm preaching to you, as I'm talking with you. In the midst of great pain, Jesus showed great endurance. In the midst of great pain, Jesus showed great endurance. I want us to focus on the pain Jesus felt. You know, and while we're focusing on that, while we're thinking about that, I also want us to think about the endurance that Jesus showed us as he experienced great pain. Okay? And we'll be in Matthew 26 and 27 today. If you have your Bibles, you can, you can turn there. You know, last week I mentioned that after Jesus prayed, he was arrested. He was arrested in the garden by temple guards. They came and they got him and they took him to Caiaphas. They took him to the religious leaders. They took him to the religious council. They took him to the Supreme Court of Judaism. And so we're sort of familiar with this. They, they do this early in the morning. To many of us, it would be the middle of the night type of thing. They do this illegally. They do this behind closed doors and secretly. And they try to trap Jesus. They falsely accuse him time and time and time again. And really, this whole process is getting nowhere with them it's not going anywhere until this Caiaphas looks at Jesus and asks him tell us are you the son of God and Jesus's response is the same response that he gave to Judas when Judas says surely you don't mean me rabbi Jesus looks at Caiaphas and says you have said so in other words you have said correctly you have said correctly. And, and this was enough that, to push these guys over the top. To them, this was blasphemy. To them, this was the greatest insult, not only to God, but to them. And after Jesus' remark, his proclamation of truth, they wanted to kill him. Matthew 26, verse 67. Remember, we're focusing on the pain that Jesus felt and the endurance that he showed. 
Verse 67, then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Yeah, I don't know about you. This would have been enough for me right here. What about you? I would have been throwing, throwing punches, maybe. Maybe you're not the type of person that I understand that. Maybe, maybe you, you would say, look, I don't want any more. What, what can we work out? Can we work out a plea here, some kind of arrangement? Jesus endured it. They spit on him. Have you ever had anybody spit on you? They hit him. They slapped him. And then they taunted him. And he had been trying to get them to, people to call him Messiah or to see him as Messiah since he came. They call him Messiah here, but they don't mean it, do they? They didn't mean it. They were ready to put Jesus to death. They wanted him dead, but here's the problem. They couldn't kill him. Uh, the religious leaders, they couldn't kill Jesus. They couldn't exercise capital punishment because they were under Roman authority. And Roman authority said you cannot exercise capital punishment under our rule. Only we can do that. And so what they had to do was they actually had to send Jesus before Roman rule, and that is Pilate. Pilate is, is the governor, so to speak. And Pilate, I maybe mentioned this before, but Pilate really despised having to deal with Jews, especially religious leaders. He didn't even live in Jerusalem. He lived away from there. He lived actually on the coast. He wanted to get closer to Rome, as close as he could get without leaving the area. But he had to go back to Jerusalem because it's Passover. History tells us, the Bible doesn't tell us, but history books tell us that there was already one major uprising and Pilate got in trouble for it. And the emperor told him if, he, if it happens again that he would lose his life. You see, so he despised having to deal with the Jews, but he, he did so because it was his very life was at stake, you see. So they sent him before Pilate, and there's this very interesting uh, exchange of conversations between Pilate and Jesus, and I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. Pretty much, Pilate finds Jesus innocent. Innocent. Like, he can't find any guilt in Jesus. He, he doesn't understand the reason that Jesus is even before him. So he tells that to the religious leaders. He said, I can't find any charge for this guy. Why is he here? This man is innocent. But the religious leaders would have none of that. None of that. They would not accept it. So Pilate being under the extra pressure, you can imagine, being under the extra pressure that he is under, thanks for a little bit. Thanks. And then he, th he thinks he's found a solution. He's found an ace in the hole, and it's this. Every year, they would release a prisoner, but only during Passover week. And guess what? They hadn't released anybody yet. So here was this opportunity that 
he said, I, I will give them a choice between Barabbas and Jesus. And I know, I know Pilate is thinking, surely they won't pick Barabbas. Right? I mean, Barabbas is in prison for crimes. He's dangerous. He's, he's murdered people. Right? Surely they will let Jesus go. But that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. The people chose Jesus. And out of fear of an uprising, Pilate gave in to that decision. And so we see we're in chapter 27 now, verse 26. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. So think about this with me. He, he was before the religious leaders, the Jews, first. He was beaten, mistreated. Now, now he's before the Romans, the Gentiles. And this really represents the entire world here. You know, Jews and Gentiles are guilty of beating Jesus. It says that he was flogged, and uh, your translation might say scourged, and that's a short word for a whole lot of pain. Tremendous pain, and this involved being beaten with rods dozens of times. And these rods would have little whips on the end, and what they would do is they would tie anything and everything they could to the ends of these whips and steel metal balls uh, shards of metal and glass uh, their favorite thing that they put on the end of these were sheep bones because they would splinter inside the skin so much pain um, it would rip the flesh off the body. And many people died during this. Many people bled to death or they died from shock. And Jesus was hit dozens of times. Verse 27, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. Now, Jesus was taken into the praetorium, which is simply... Uh, Pilate's home away from home. All right, this was his hotel. And what's interesting about this place is it was also the residence of the military. And so when it says there the whole company, your translation might say cohort, I want you to understand this. There's literally hundreds of soldiers watching what's going on with Jesus. Dozens probably participating in what's taking place. Verse 28. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and then knelt, knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. 
Now Matthew's, he just builds on this, doesn't he? It's like, and then this, and then this, and then they did this. And it's wave after wave after wave. They took his clothes off and they put a royal robe on him and says they did this to mock him. Scarlet was the color of royalty. And to mock him further, they put a crown on his head. But not just any crown, a crown of thorns. And it just, it's surprising to me how someone would take the time it would take to twist together a crown of thorns just to just so somebody else can experience tremendous pain and they put a staff in his hand in a staff you know think about a king a scepter sitting on a throne they put a staff in his hand they started to to mock him they bowed down before him said hail king of the jews to them think about this look Think about hundreds of people watching this. It was a spectacle. To them, it was a comical even. Verse 30. They spit on him. All right? First time Jesus was before the religious leaders and they spit on him. Now he's with the Romans and they spit on him. And this is something that we don't talk about a whole lot, but... Jesus was beaten, slapped, hit, punched, flogged. And on top of all that, he's drenched in spit. They spit on him and they took the staff and struck him on the head. And notice this, over again and again. The head that still had the crown of thorns on it. After they mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. And then they led him away to crucify him. Now Matthew simply states this. That he was led away to be crucified. And so much had taken place before the crucifixion. Do you see that? So much pain before the actual crucifixion. But the crucifixion was the worst part. It's interesting to me that each of the four Gospels talk about the crucifixion. Only two Gospels talk about the birth of Christ. It's also interesting that the Gospel writers are very brief in describing the crucifixion process. There's a little bit of detail in there, not a whole lot. And come to find out that is on purpose. That is on purpose. You see, many... Theologians, a lot of ancient historians like Josephus and Cicero says that you didn't talk about the crucifixion. It was too horrible, too horrendous to talk about. So they simply didn't discuss it a lot. Too terrible to mention. It was one of the most painful deaths a person could face. It's so painful that they actually invented a word to describe it called excruciating. I'm sure many of you have used that. It's a Latin phrase meaning from the cross. Excruciating. And the whole idea of crucifixion was to keep the person alive 
for a long period of time, but yet suffer the most amount of pain a person could suffer? How do you you make both of those goals with the cross? With the cross. And we, we know a little bit about this, that nails were driven through the hands and feet of the body and into a wooden cross. What many of us don't realize is that the body was contorted in this. It wasn't stretched out perfectly. A lot of times there was space given between the feet and the torso, so the knees were bent. Many times they twisted the person to the side, nailed them there as well. Uh, the pain of crucifixion comes from asphyxiation and where a person cannot breathe. You see, for them to be able to breathe, they had to pull up. Imagine the pain in that. Tremendous pain and then so much pain that they let back down, but yet they struggle to breathe. So there's this back and forth, up and down. And people would be like that for hours, some days. Some could last as long as a week. And none of this was done privately. It was all done out in the public for everybody to see and crowds would gather around and they would witness this and they would mock. And remember I told you the population of Jerusalem was about 30,000. Well, during Passover week, it's a couple hundred thousand. Just imagine the crowds that witnessed that. And when we think about the cross, we think, typically think that Jesus was high up and that's not the way they crucified people. You see, uh, the feet would only be about a foot off the ground. And that's so the dogs could chew at the feet of the person on the cross. They were left there until they died. And, and the dogs, I literally read about a historian writing that uh, a dog had carried off a leg of someone that was crucified they were left on the cross for the animals to eat the vultures the crows and and whatever was left the body was thrown into the trash to the, to the local dump now jesus was crucified at 9 a.m he died at 3 p.m so six hours on the cross but i'm estimating that he probably faced three to four hours before that of excruciating pain of torture. In the midst of tremendous pain, Jesus showed great endurance. And uh, in another gospel, as he was taking his last couple of breaths, he said three words. It is finished. It is finished. He had finished what he came to do. As we look at this, what can we learn from Jesus in this? Well, I want us to talk about really one thing and that's this idea of pain and endurance and it's i want to say this to you finishing strong will require us to endure pain a lot of preachers won't talk about this they won't share it with you this way um 
But in this world, we will have pain. We will have hardship. We will encounter hardship. We live in a sinful, fallen, broken world. The Bible never tells us that we will have it easy here. Never. Jesus told his followers time and time again of the hardships they would face. Jesus even said this, take up your cross, what we just talked about. Take up your cross and follow me. And we are never promised a pain-free life, but what we are asked time and time again to do is to have faith and endure. To have faith and endure pain, endure it. What does endurance mean? It means to remain under. That's interesting. I know when we feel pain, we want it to end, don't we? We want it to stop. The Bible t- tells us to endure it, and really that's a marathon term. I don't, I don't know if anybody has ever ran a marathon. I never plan to. <laughs> um, some people in our church have, and I'll talk to them about it. It's interesting. You experience different levels of pain. Like when, you, when you first start, you'll experience one type of pain, and then it gets worse. And then it's worse, and literally every one of them says they felt like they were going to die. You know, I'm like, why would, why do that? But anyway, um, if they endure that, they get what's called a second wind. And then they finish. You see, but what did they have to do? Endure those levels of pain? In order to literally finish the race. And that's what we have to do too. You see, endurance leads to finishing. It's, endurance is what helps us finish. We need endurance to finish our course. And I, can't, I cannot imagine the pain that some of you have been through. That maybe some of you are going through right now. But you know what? I know one who has experienced great pain and hardship and has endured it and he was able to finish strong and that person is Jesus Christ you know you cannot overcome every hardship you can't but what you can endu- can do is endure it you can endure every hardship you might say how well, with strong faith in God with the help of his Holy Spirit and by looking to Jesus. Um, the Hebrews 12, this has really been our, our key scripture for this whole series. And I really wanted us to, to dive into this today afresh. And look at this. Let us, let us Christians, believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, let us run with, there it is, Endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's the idea that we are here for a purpose. We are here for a reason. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. How do we do that? By looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher 
of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, look at this, here it is again, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. You know, Jesus endured. He's our example. He endured the pain and the suffering of the cross, and he finished strong. And you know what? He did that for you. Did you hear me? He did that for you. He went through all that for us. You are the joy on the other end of the cross. It's amazing to think about, isn't it? He went through all that for us. And I want you to notice something very important here that we seldom talk about in this scripture. He endured the cross past tense but has sat down present tense at the right hand of the throne of god that expresses something truly remarkable to us jesus endured endured the pain of hardship and it ended in victory that means that there was an end to the pain at the end of his course Did you get that? Not at the beginning. Not at the middle. The end of pain came at the end of his course. And we'll talk more about that next week. I'm getting pumped up for next week already. But um, the endurance of pain led him to a greater place. Can you see that in in this section of Scripture? He... He endured a season of pain. And for that, he was given an eternity of glory and honor. Do you see that? What does that tell us? Man, it's so amazing. Because Jesus endured the pain of the cross, our pain is only temporary. Because Jesus did what he did, because he endured the pain of the cross, the pain that we face is only temporary. It's but for a moment. And, and what I'm talking about is an eternal perspective. Does anybody ever, do you ever think about eternity? I do a lot. And I can only think about it for about 30 seconds. And then it, like, my mind just gets blown. But I think about it. How long is eternity? Right? How do you begin to think about forever and ever. That's a long time. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.17. Paul says this, For our light affliction, and what Paul is saying is not that what you're going through, the pain you're suffering is not important, but in light of eternity, it's light. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. I wanted to highlight every word in this verse. Do you see that? Picture the imaginary scale here. This is what Paul is painting for us. This is the picture he's drawing. Momentary light affliction. No, eternal glory far outweighs it. It outweighs it. The worst pain that we go through 
in this life, the most difficult things that we face are nothing in comparison to the joy, to the peace, to the gladness that we have in eternity through the cross. Um, I want to show this to you. I went in and bought rope and duct tape and I had Noah, Noah with me, my five-year-old, and <laughs> the, uh, the cashier lady looked at me funny, you know, rope and duct tape and a kid, and I said, yeah, he's been misbehaving, <laughs> and she, uh, you know, her face, she thought I was serious, I had to tell her, I said, no, I'm joking, but I saw, I saw an illustration given by Francis Chan a while back, and I, it's as clear today as it was many years ago when I saw it. But, uh, you know, he had a rope and had a little piece of duct tape on it, and it represents time. And we know we don't have to be scientists to understand that time is linear, right? Um, but this, this red here represents us. It represents our time on earth. Actually, it represents all of earth, okay? All of creation. From creation to when God makes all things new is represented here, and so much of us focus on this little piece. Do you understand that? So many of us focus on the pain and the hardships that we encounter here in the red. And we don't realize that what Christ has done has given us hope and glory forever. Forever. Look at John 16, 33. Man, this is great. In this world you see in the red you will have trouble but notice what he says take heart for i have overcome the world you see jesus stepped into here he stepped into our mess he stepped into our sin into our world to suffer pain that was meant for us to suffer a death that was meant for us he did all that here in our world so we can go to his and his world doesn't end keeps going I don't know how long this is I mean I'm not going to go to the end of it but you get the idea very powerful that means for us the cross means a better world awaits And it's all because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's all because of God's love for you. It's all because of the joy that was set before Jesus. He endured the cross. You are the reason he came. You are the reason that he was obedient to the Father in the garden. You are the reason that he endured the beatings and the spit in his face. You are the reason that he wore the crown of thorns and didn't say take it off. You are his joy. So what John is saying here is take heart. Take heart. Let's be thankful for the cross. Let's look to that and realize what Jesus did for us. And let's finish our course strong. All right? Let's endure the pain of this world knowing that through Jesus and because of Jesus, our pain and our hardships are momentary and they're light in comparison of eternity. 
Oh, that's so good. Through the cross, a better world awaits those who believe in Jesus. Now, do you believe in Jesus? Have you placed your faith in, in Jesus? Have you placed your faith and your hope and your trust in what he did on the cross and the pain that he went through? Because you're the joy on the other end of it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this message. What a powerful message. And we look at Jesus and the, the reason he came was for the cross. And we see that he boldly marched to that. He fulfilled his purpose in spite of hardship, difficulty, and great pain. Father, he is our perfect example. Father, help us to put eternity in perspective and understand that what Jesus did was not just for a moment, but forever. Father, help us to have endurance. I don't want to experience hardship. None of us here do. None of us want to experience pain. But your word is truth, and the truth is that we all experience pain. We all experience hardship. Help us to have faith in those moments. Help us to endure that, knowing that something better awaits because of what you did on the cross. We can have confidence, not only in our lives, we can have confidence in you, knowing that you love us that much. We can give our lives to you in complete trust. So may we do that today. Help us to look to the cross and to worship you and to be thankful for your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.